Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. It's Friday if you're right with me, if you're staying with me, if you're live with me. It's 10 o'clock, uh, but uh, I know that a number of you join me live. I know that a number of you don't, so uh, I don't play favorites. I love all you guys, and whenever you manage to uh, be with me on Tim with Tim, uh, it's a honor and privilege for me to be able to be your partner in the Word, so, so thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you so much. Uh, we're in Isaiah chapter 59 today. Uh, Isaiah chapter 59, it's a really, ooh, it's a brutal, wonderful chapter. Uh, we're going to, uh, we'll go through, we'll continue through Isaiah next week, probably finish, I'd say, on September 11th, Monday the 11th, I think. Uh, after that, I'm kind of planning to do some little books, because we've been really in Isaiah now for so long. Do some little books, probably maybe do a week or so in the Proverbs, which is always very different. And then I'm thinking about the book of Ephesians, just to give you a, a, a view down the road with me. But Isaiah chapter 59 is where we are today. We're going verse by verse. We'll start in chapter 59. Uh, gosh, it's all about sin. Uh, and it's, uh, gosh, it's, um, it's an amazing chapter to read because in our culture, in our day and age, increasingly, sin is a word you, you, you just can't even use. I mean, it's, it's a word that has fallen out of our cultural lexicon. Um, uh, older lady named Peggy had gone to her granddaughter's high school graduation. Okay, so can you picture that scene? Grandma sitting by her daughter, the mother, and then the granddaughter's graduating from the floor. Um, in the middle of graduation, students were walking across the stage, and this really pretty red-haired girl, who was obviously big under her gown, um, walked across the stage to get her diploma. And when they said this high school girl's name, uh, the entire auditorium rose to their feet, gave her a standing ovation and clapped. Peggy didn't know who the girl was, so she said, you know, looked at her daughter like, who, who is that? And, and you know, her daughter was like, you know, Mama, be quiet. Peggy's like, no, you know, who is it? I mean, she just wanted to know who we were, you know, celebrating. And um, anyway, the, the, the mothers just said to Peggy, the grandmother just said, uh, she's, she's going to have a baby. She's, she's pregnant. Um, and Peggy's like, but, but she's not even 18. You know, she's not even married. And, you know, everybody's on their feet clapping for, and, and the, the, the woman just said, you know, Mama, be quiet. It happens all the time, you know. Um, and Peggy said, but, but that's not good for anybody, <laughs> you know. That's not good for anybody. Peggy just couldn't understand. I guess she's from a different generation, a different day, a different age, but she couldn't understand why we'd all celebrate something that can't be good for anybody, you know. Um, and, and I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't mean to sound old-fashioned or whatever. I, I don't think it's old-fashioned. It's just honest. If I'm old-fashioned, then Isaiah 59 is old-fashioned, you know, because it's a chapter that's all about sin. I'm telling you, maybe our culture doesn't like to use the word, but the word is necessary because, honestly, uh, it names something that is uh, fundamentally true about our human existence and especially our existence before God. It, it's not good for anybody if you can't name sin as sin. It's not good for anybody if we can't talk about sin. If we can't talk about sin, then we can't talk about forgiveness. And if we can't talk about forgiveness, then we can't talk about salvation. And if we can't talk about salvation, everybody's damned. I mean, you understand? Everybody's condemned. 
Uh, it's not good for anybody if you can't, can't talk about sin. And Isaiah chapter 59 sort of gives you a vocabulary once more for sin. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Verse 2, do you see that? I mean, that is... I guess the supreme reason why we have to be able to talk about sin, it's because sin cuts you off from God. You can't lose that knowledge. You can't lose that ability to talk about separation from God. A lot of people just like to talk about sin like, like it's doing mis, you know, bad things. You know, if I ask a child a definition of sin, they'll say it's, it's doing bad things and that's not wrong. It's just more or less, you know, the six-year-old definition. Uh, it's, it's, it's deeper. It's more than just doing things wrong, but, but we can start there. I, I mean, for most people, they don't even say that. Most people don't even say I was wrong. They say I was mistaken. I made a mistake. I made a poor choice. You know, we have this way of just never having to confess, never having to repent of anything. I mean, when's the last time you had to say you're sorry. When's the last time you actually admitted fault? I mean, just in life, not to mention before God. Most people, you know, are, are mistakers, but they don't think of themselves as sinners, you know. So when you lose that word, when you lose that ability to name it, then you sort of no longer know exactly how to talk about the experience. Your sin cuts you off from God. Sin separates you from God, and that is devastating. You know, if you read Isaiah chapter 59, uh, again, verses four through eight, I'm fascinated with verses four through eight because it's all they. It talks about people in the world. They, they, nobody cares about being fair and honest. Uh, they uh, hatch deadly snakes and weave spiders' webs, and the webs can't be made into clothing. It's this analogy of being like spiders, like snakes. Their feet run to do evil. They rush to commit. All they think about is sinning. They, they, they. They don't know where to find peace, what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out they, they. But notice how in verse 9, all the language switches to we. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. Our sins are piled up before God. It's almost like in those first, you know, four, verses four to eight in the, in the they language, it's not that Isaiah or the people don't think of themselves as sinners, but it's just that broad description of what the world is like. And we all go there. It's easier to see the sin of the, it's easy to see the sin out there sometimes before you're able to see the sin in here. But make no mistake, sin is, uh, by the, you know, the church fathers would say that, that to be a sinner is to be turned in toward yourself, to be turned in on the self. Uh, we were created to be turned outward, to be turned out toward God first and then turned out toward others. But sin, turn, it, 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 it causes you to turn in in a perverse way toward yourself. And, and that is, I would say, the primary symptom of sin in our culture, the, the focus on the self, the celebration of the self, you know, uh, the absolute value in our culture, the, the supreme value is to express yourself, to uh, to be yourself. You do you, you know. Don't let anybody, you know, tell you. that You don't have to conform to anybody else. You can just simply define yourself for yourself. You can create your own gender. You can create your own sexual orientation. You, you can call it anything you want. The rest of the world will celebrate you, you, you know. 
Um, again, it's that turn, turning in toward the self, letting everybody just say, hey, you just follow your desires. You follow your heart. Um, but again, that in itself is the very definition of sin, to follow your heart. I mean, Scripture says, you know, the heart is deceitful. If, if, if you just follow your heart, you're going to be trapped on this hamster wheel of your own thoughts and emotions and desires. It's, 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 it's not freedom. It's, it's, it's enslavement. And you need a power that will turn you out away from yourself so that you can forget about yourself, so that you can see that your thoughts, your desires, your emotions are deceitful and, and, and look for truth outside yourself. Salvation, everything that you need is not found in yourself. You're not going to look down inside yourself and find the light. You understand the light is shining out there. That's why I think in verses 9 to 14, it's more the description of that separation. This is how it's experience. We look for light. And most of us look for a light within, you know, but you find only darkness. You look for bright skies, but you walk in gloom. It's this experience of separation. The, the people in our culture, they don't call themselves sinners. They don't think of anything they do as being particularly bad. Uh, they feel no shame. They're not even plagued by guilt, but they experience this separation from God in a thousand ways. You were created to be turned out toward the God who made you. But when you fold in on yourself and, and look for something good inside yourself, look for the answers inside your own heart, oh my goodness, um, you will look for light but find on, on, only darkness. So uh, uh, I, I guess the bottom line, again, I love that Verse 12, our sins are piled up against God. They testify against us. We know what sinners we are, you know. I guess I would say, just let the sin that bothers you most be your own. Um, it, it, there's something delicious about, you know, wagging our heads and talking about the sins of everybody else and how bad the world is and all that. But that can distract you from the fact that you, you, you're a sinner and your sins separate you from God. And... Uh, and, and to know what a sinner you are is bad news. I mean, before the gospel's good news, it's bad news. Before it's the good news of salvation, it's the bad news that you have sinned, you know? And you have to continue to have that awareness, not so that you can wallow in shame and guilt, but so that you can understand what Jesus has done for you. To know that you're a sinner means that you can confess your sin and find forgiveness. And to find forgiveness is the greatest freedom of all. If we can't say the word sin, then we can't talk about forgiveness, and forgiveness is the path of salvation. Uh, so anyway, Isaiah chapter 59, I love that chapter so much. We'll pick up right here on Monday morning with Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 22 for Monday. I know it's Labor Day, but you know, hey, uh, you can find 10 minutes. If you can't watch it Monday, you can watch it, uh, catch up another time. But I'll go ahead and read. Uh, record Mondays for you. So we'll be in Isaiah chapter 60, okay? Love you guys so much. If you don't have a church home, Woodburn Baptist Church would love to have you. Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. This coming Sunday, I am preaching on miracles. I'm preaching on the feeding of the 5,000. So uh, either join me here at church or I'll catch you on Facebook, on YouTube, or any other place you find podcasts. I love you so much. I'll see you Monday morning, okay? Have a good day.